Welcome to episode 60 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today, my co-host, Matthew Aguilar. What up, peoples? And our fellow geek culture expert over here, I'm, we're taking you out of the Star Trek label. We're, we've grown past that, <laughs> so we're taking you out of that. Uh, Mr. Jamie Lovett's back with us. I contain multitudes. There's much more than Star Trek. To- yes, there is. Yes. I mean, yeah, we do hit you up for a lot of multitudes of knowledge just to get things <laughs> written around here. So that is a fair statement. Now, today, Jamie's going to be joining us because we are going to be going a little bit all over the place today. It's a very eclectic yeah, show. <laughs> very eclectic show. Because, we, I mean, we did all the D23 stuff in our special bonus episode. Make sure you go check that out if you're wondering where all our D23 talk is. We put it all in one episode. So now we got to kind of sweep up what's left in the entertainment industry, and we got this little eclectic show today. So in our news flash, we are going to be t- talking about the new Mortal Kombat movie. We haven't talked any Mortal Kombat in a long time, and there's been a ton of casting, so we're going to get into all of that. We are also going to be talking about some big new uh, DC and Marvel casting updates that are pretty exciting, a uh, new anime trailer that we need to talk about, and uh, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about Spider-Man's future once again in the ever-going saga of that whole drama, and we since it's our first podcast of the week we are going to be breaking down the new comics of the week and giving you guys our review of house of x number three so be sure to stay tuned for all of that let's start in our news flash when we come back imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bull and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bull and Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bullandbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So... Now that we're back, let's talk about Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat! So, I mean, it's hard to keep up with Mortal Kombat because people, I mean, they're not very, the very, I mean, they're just not getting creative with these titles anymore. Everything's just Mortal Kombat again, and there's like new games, new movies. It's hard to tell which is which, but if you've been following along or if not, we're getting a new Mortal Kombat movie, a reboot. They've started casting. We have a kind of commercial director who's becoming a feature director with this. Uh, his name is Simon McQuoid. I like that. McQuoid. Very nice name. Um, yeah, and so we have a pretty high profile or, or appropriately priced profiled casting <laughs> for this movie. <laughs> that needs to go on the, uh, yeah. on the wow. PR. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. They're all known Appropriately know. priced They're all people cast. we know, but people that they could definitely afford <laughs> to make a video game movie at a... At a Controllable price. So, <laughs> was Uwe Boll busy? Oh. <laughs> so before we right before we walked in here, let's just start with the latest oh, yeah. dropping news. So we have Chin Han, who you guys know as uh, basically he was the um, the Chinese kind of money launderer that the criminal organization, the Dark Knight, used. Uh, the one that the guy that Batman tracked down in China and hauled back to Gotham. Yeah, he's our new Shang Tsung. So he's going to be playing Shang Tsung in the Mortal Kombat reboot. And uh, Hiroki Sonata, who you guys know from the Wolverine, he was Shingen, the uh, crime boss Shingen in the Wolverine. And he's been, I mean, he's a very famous actor. I don't want to, like, 
pretend like I know his whole thing. <laughs> but, uh, like, yeah, no, he, he I respect was, uh, it. He was the guy that Jeremy Renner's Ronan fought in the streets in Avengers Endgame. So those are two Marvel references I'm sure we can all yeah. understand. Yeah, he is going to also be starring in Mortal Kombat, and he will be our Scorpion, which is uh, pretty exciting. So that is the latest. I mean, as we walk in here to record this, that's what's happening. So let's just start. Okay, so we got Shang Tsung, we got Scorpion. Mm -hmm. So the Sub-Zero to his Scorpion will be uh, Joe Salim, who you guys might know from The Raid, Redemption, if you've ever seen that movie. He was the uh, police captain that led the squad into the building and... Uh, got violently killed by Matt Dog in that crazy fight. Um, if you remember the raid, oh, I love that movie. So he is going to be our Sub Zero. We also have Matt's boy, Ludi Lin from the uh, live action Power Rangers reboot movie. Liu Kang, who's baby. going to be Liu Kang. Um, we have Makad Brooks, who is Jimmy Olsen in Supergirl, who will be playing Jax. That's going to be a cool... Yeah, I think he's great. For I mean, he's been looking for been... a role for a long time. And he's got the voice movie. for yeah. Jax, right? Yeah, he's got right? the stature. I mean, dude, yeah. he's tall, he's buff as crap. He's tall as hell, buff like, as crap. Just... Like, I mean, he could be Jax. Yeah. You should kill He should Pretty kill much. that. Yeah, Jessica McNamee, who's been in stuff like Chips and some other kind of like... <laughs> That's what you start with? <laughs> <laughs> That's like... She's in the Meg Battle of Sexes Well, lead with the Meg and not Chips. Chips was terrible. She didn't have like a major... She didn't have the biggest role. I mean, a chip, she was like, if she of like, appeared in the intro, it would still be better than the monstrosity <laughs> that was chips. Well, I just made her memorable. In, hey, I just did my job. I just made her memorable in your mind. Fair enough. So the girl from chips, you're never going to oh, get that. God. So she's our new Sonya Blade. You're welcome. I'm just trying to help you through this Mortal Kombat thing and give you some kind of frame of reference here. Uh, we also have Melina, who will be Sissy Stringer who is kind of just a new actor who, you know, we don't really know from anything. She was awesome in Chips. <laughs> no, she wasn't. She, has, she doesn't have the resume for Chips, Matt. She's just starting out. Kano will be played by Josh Lawson, who was uh, in Superstore. Me. Yeah, he's mm -hmm. in Superstore. That's a um, so a lot of people know him from that. And interesting So it's going to be really interesting going from Superstore to freaking Kano from and ripping out hearts. From snarky like, yeah. pharmacist to, oh, I'm going to go to Kano? <laughs> yeah, hey, <laughs> like, that's going to be an interesting jump. That's what acting's all about. Yeah. And, uh, oh, God, I, I don't want to just wreck these names. Why are you guys doing this to me? Um, Tadanobu Asano. Yes, say that one more time for us. <laughs> Tadanobu Asano. Oof, Jim just nailed it. Very who nice. uh, has been Hogan in the Thor series, one yep. of the Warriors 3. Um, he is going to be playing Raiden. So. I think that's I think a good casting, too. These are all actors at an appropriate level for the type of movie that I think we could expect. Appropriately? Clearly, Jim was not <laughs> yeah, that right earlier. We, but like, appropriately yeah. priced cast. I said that exact thing in the intro. I said, this is an appropriately priced cast for this level of but movie. But I didn't even say, but I didn't even, right, just from, from a price standpoint, I would say even from like... Like, they all look But they're all of, people you'll look at and say, I know them. Like, the yeah. mainstream people will be like, oh, I know yeah. him from somewhere. And I can guy. see them nowhere. as the characters exactly. they play. The, like, the, the Lawson one is the biggest jump for me, but yeah. I still think he's... You look at him and you go, yeah, he could probably do it. The interesting yeah. thing is, is the guy who's playing Scorpion is a bit older. Like, like dude as an actor, I think, is like... Um, 
in his fifties. Well, I mean, so, Scorpion's like undead, right? So well, right. I, I mean, that's so maybe that f- plays into the but, story. Like, yeah, as is they, this a like? Yeah, in, and it, but he's also older. like one hell. I mean, he's like one hell of a great Japanese oh, actor, and for like sure, dramatic actor. And so, like, it, may, it lends me to think that maybe Scorpion will actually get like a storyline in this, meaty part, like a meaty part instead of just like dead guy who shows up at random scary times. That's true. You know, like so, he was no. in the original. So we have to address then that there are two that I am very curious about. Because I think they have most of the linchpins here. Like, yeah. most of the linchpins of the story are great. But Katana and Johnny Cage are, like, two of the most yeah. popular the Okay, fighters. so to be clear, we don't know who's playing. There's some unknowns in this. We don't know who's playing Katana. We don't know who's playing Johnny Cage. And we got an actor in there who... It has yet to have his role. Revealed. And evidently there's some new character that he, he could be also be playing. Yeah. Right. Like it. So that, yeah, there's a bunch of mystery Lewis around Tan. him. Lewis yeah. Tan, we don't know is, is in Mortal Kombat, but we don't know who he's playing. And he was Shatterstar in Deadpool 2. He's in the new show, Woo Assassins. He was the guy is, that was just forced to job to Finn Jones and Iron Fist, right? Into like, even though he was clearly, yeah. <laughs> clearly <laughs> capable of taking Finn Jones out real easy. Yeah, yeah he was Al Chang. And, Hopefully uh, he gets Iron a redemption Fist. arc here because So, like, yeah, he's in it, and we don't know who he's playing. So, like, yeah, that's those are big castings we have yet to feel, fill. But all so far, this seems pretty solid. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm excited for it. Yeah, it sounds from all the things the director has said, you know, what he's said so far, sounds like we're going to get a pretty uh, faithful. What has he said? Like, what what kind of of tone are they going for here? Because I hear Mortal Kombat, I want it to be more like Big Trouble, Little China kind of deal than, you know, super serious. So, like the first Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because that's what that, I mean, that was very. Enter yeah, the Dragon ish. Yeah, it's like campy. Fun. It knows yeah, what it is. Fun. It was Paul W. S. Anderson. Like I agree. I did Resident that's... Evil and Event Horizon. Like yeah. So yeah. I, mean, I can't stand what Resident Evil movies are to that. Dude, franchise. I like the first one. I don't. I love the first one. It's a great. It's a great little. But I movie. still. I like. While I don't like them because, like, to me, it's like once they started after the first one, they really became like okay. This I don't recognize this as my Resident Evil no, anymore. Uh, but for what they are, I think that tone is. Like, I, I like that tone, and yeah. I hope that they do this. For, it fits this way more. Than yeah, I mean, I'd have to go see this guy's commercials to see what they're kind of thinking and why <laughs> they... I mean, commercial directors, I mean, that's not to punk anybody out. Like, no. they, they are some great names. Zack Snyder. They just haven't no, had their biggest... They no, just haven't I'm had their kidding. shot yet, right? But yeah, so, like, I'm, I'm interested to see what vision, like, he sold them on. Because the last one we had was really Mortal Kombat Rebirth from... Um, what's his name? Tancheroan, mm-hmm. who... You know, now is out there being a big director, directing yeah. like a bunch of Marvel shows and stuff like that. So, I'm interested to see where this goes. Mortal Kombat now on our radar, hopefully on the radar of you, our listeners. Hopefully, it's good. Yeah, hopefully it's good. So let's move <laughs> on. We said we had some um, Marvel and DC movie castings to get to, so let's touch on those uh, really quick. Um, we didn't report on this before. Well, at least not here. I mean, we report on everything on ComicBook.com, so you can go there and find stuff. But Nathan Fillion joining yeah. the Suicide Squad. According to reports, anyway. Oh, yeah, and there's somebody else. I forget. Who was the... Uh, Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi. Oh, yeah, right oh, before she walked in here <laughs> again. Oh, and... Uh, yeah, I didn't even update that. And then King Shark. Steve Agee King Shark. as and the... Steve Agee as King Shark. Voice of King Shark, yeah. So, like, yeah, okay, so more bang for your buck. That's why we have a collective in the room. Um, yeah, so Nathan Fillion's joining... Um, we, we know who he's playing. No, they haven't no, said... They haven't said who Fillion's um, playing. The only one yeah. knows is Steve Agee as... Steve Agee is going to be King, King Shark. Voicing King Shark. Voicing yeah. King Shark. And, and Taika Waititi, they haven't revealed who he's haven't said, but considering he's got to do press for JoJo's, right? 
and then he's got to start work on the next Thor movie. So I'm guessing probably like probably nothing huge. No, Since that be, would take a lot of time out of his like schedule. The first kill or something like that. Yeah, yeah. like a glorified like, cameo. Do we, do we think, yeah. Nate, I mean, like, even Nate Phelan, like, not confirmed yet, but, like, it could be the extent that he was in Guardians of the Galaxy, which sure. inevitably got cut. Could be super yeah. minor. Right? It could be super minor, but... Okay. Well, no, he that's was in the, the first about, Guardians, right? That's the thing about Suicide yeah. Squad and the Suicide Squad. James Gordon doesn't want any of the Suicide Squad to Yeah. Yeah. So the thing about the Suicide Squad is, like, you could have people pop up, just like Deadpool 2. You can have yeah. people, like, pop up for these cameos just to get, like, horribly killed because, yeah. you know, they're the first people. You always need those sacrificial yeah. victims during and the speech. And why not know? make it special, right? And yeah, make, make it, it special. Like, yeah. And have Taika Waititi do something like crazy over the top, like curse out a man to wall or something knots, like man. that. And then just like get his head blown off. It would also be a great way to include some other like D yeah. level characters. I want yeah, to play someone yeah. like a so hype man. You know, like, King. <laughs> yeah, like, like, no, 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 like Buana Beast. Oh, wow. Man. wow. <laughs> yeah, just some really <laughs> obscure DC like villain characters. Like the more absurd for Taika Waititi, the better. There's a fan mm -hmm. screaming yeah, right now. He's like, the <laughs> and just like yeah, have him and have that man. I mean, we're talking about him popping up in the Mandalorian as yeah. the droid. Like yeah, just put him in everything. He's uh he's hilarious. So yeah, we're kind of like looking forward to that. Su the Suicide Squad is probably my most anticipated DC movie right now on the slate. I gotta say, is that for twenty twenty or twenty twenty one? Twenty one. One. Twenty twenty one, I believe. Gotcha. Yeah, June twenty. Or no, no, no. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know actually. So we'll look that up. Well, I would say it would probably be mine if, but whatever year Wonder Woman comes out is mine. So nineteen eighty four is gonna. I, I can't wait for that. I mean, I haven't seen enough. Uh, August sixth, twenty twenty one is you the had me at squad. first movie. Yeah, I mean, I love the. Nobody stumped harder for the first movie than me. No, but I'm saying you had <laughs> yeah. me. Like, I don't Nobody need anything did. else. I'm I was the first it's one. A, it's first not a one fight, to say that no man's, <laughs> Like, put it on the record. First one to say that No Man's Land scene, classic. Yeah, I was saying, so I don't need anything else. I don't need oh, a trailer. You were the first to man to stand up for her being woman of color. I knew I, that was coming. <laughs> I knew you were coming. Uh, I was like, if uh, someone made a big enough splash at comicbook.com for Wonder hey, Woman, it's me. You, yeah, you're the one who brought it up. But, but uh, no, I haven't seen anything. I mean, once I see something, I'm sure uh, I'll feel differently, but all the stylistic posters, while cool, don't make me like psyched for the movie yeah. from concept. This makes me psyched for the movie from concept. That's like, interesting. So, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, that's the Suicide Squad. <coughs> the other one we got is Venom 2. Venom. And it wasn't really like anything major, but we confirmed that Woody Harrelson will be back as Carnage in Venom 2, which we could all breathe a little easier, I think. Would have been real awkward if he wasn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if they were trying to do something There else, will be Venom Carnage. Be like, or wait, maybe not. <laughs> like, we would just be like, Venom, why do you hate money? Like, just <laughs> take the money. So yeah. Harrelson's coming back. That's good. I am really excited about that. I'm really excited to see... Him and Andy Serkis, who have worked... I mean, they were just working together in War of the Planet of the Apes. Mm -hmm. uh, Harrelson was the human bad guy, and, you know, Serkis was obviously Caesar. So this is going to be cool. And just having Serkis in this kind of relationship he can have with these actors and his kind of vision, I trust him. He'd be the second person besides like somebody like Guillermo del Toro to do like a creature feature movie that I would trust. Yeah. So uh, I'm feeling a lot more optimistic about Venom Two, now the question is <laughs> that I added to the tip of this is: Do you guys think what is the likelihood you now think right now that Spider-Man is showing up in this Venom movie? I think Venom would show up in a Spider-Man movie before Spider-Man shows up in a Venom movie. 
Maybe I think I think maybe there's a post-credit yeah. tease. I don't know yeah. that like Spider-Man actually shows up. I think they use Spider-Man in a Venom movie because here's why. Like Venom 2, like yeah, I mean it's already going to have a built-in audience, but it's still split because the opinion of the first movie was split. But after that first weekend on Monday, if all of a sudden you reveal, mm -hmm. oh, Spider-Man's also in this movie, surprise, mm -hmm. like, you know, that's a good marketing push. So I see Tom Holland, they finally get him out of the Sony van. He's like, where am I? They like, go through this door. And he's just like on the set of Venom 2. I love he's the like, sly what? little Holland impression yeah. you did there. You've got an easy way to do it, too, because, you know, if they pick up after the, That's what I said the identity I reveal, yeah. then he gets he's on like, the run, yeah. Yeah, witness protection programmed over to San Francisco or whatever, and yeah. suddenly there he is. Aunt Although, kind of odd friends. to put him in a big city as San Francisco, but, you know, comic yeah. book logic. Yeah, I mean, it's but it's, you know, we know that they have a journalist, you know, that's a good market for journalists. We <laughs> saw Eddie Brock on a whole journalist tour. Mm -hmm. uh, Aunt May probably has some old hippie friends on Hate Street out there, so, like, it's all good. <laughs> she looks like the type. Um, but no, that's what we said on, like, our last full episode was, yeah, if you want to get around this and just stall, just be like, uh-oh, I'm on the run! <laughs> you know, from those guys! I'm not gonna mention who, because I'm on the run, but, you know, Peter Parker just has to go somewhere, so... Um, I think that Venom 2 would, if you're throwing Carnage in there and introducing Carnage, then there's going to be some kind of Spider-Man introduction in there. Um, I mean, if Sony's making a self-contained universe, that's like their it's only... It's a no-brainer. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. If, if the Marvel deal, like if they don't strike another deal or whatever, I'm almost like, why you wouldn't this, you? You think this is the reason why Sony is maybe playing a bit harder than they would have had they Well, I think they had, had this the in their back pocket. I don't think this was necessarily their, their settled-upon plan. Mm -hmm. But they knew, like, yeah. if this happens, we already have an, a universe in motion. Like, right. they're thinking Spider-Verse now. Like, yeah. yeah. We can make event films. We don't have to... They, I can just, from being in the room with those people from the first two Amazings, they are never going to go back to that again. Like, <laughs> they're not going back that route. They know better. Like, they've learned the hard way. So they're going to just stack it like any kind of event they can. And this yeah. is an easy win. This is an easy way to do that. Yeah, also, like, People have pointed out the numbers don't necessarily add up for Sony if the deal was what it reportedly was. Being flush off of the confidence of how well Venom did when so many people expected it to bomb, you know, for that, that gives them the confidence to walk away from Marvel and be like, no, we're fine. We'll just toss, and you know, whatever. Before, right? After. Like, that yeah. film got eviscerated critically. Well, and it still that, did money. The, like, the whole thing that makes me nervous <laughs> is, that, is that, like, a lot of that money is foreign box office. Yeah. Sure. Will they show up again? Is the novelty over? Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? I don't know. Yeah, especially, <laughs> especially if you put Spider-Man in the movie. Oh, yeah. If you put it's not in Riz Ahmed in a crappy CGI symbiote. It's actually Carnage and Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? Yeah. If you have, if you're building to that, uh, there's no reason why that shouldn't do I had a popular numbers. tweet just, just, just saying just like that it, it keeps getting, it resurges every now and again about how all I want for Venom 2 is like a heat scene in a diner where like Cletus <laughs> Cassidy and Eddie Brock are sitting in a booth and under the table there's just like crazy symbiote stuff like pointing, you know, proverbial daggers at each other. And like people love that. And like that alone will sell this movie. Like that's mm -hmm. all you also, this need. Really, okay. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'd also point out that they those audiences keep showing up for the Transformers movies no matter how That's terrible true. and redundant they get. <laughs> so, uh, I also think this is actually a perfect time for this kind of thing to happen as far as Sony and Venom because... Oh, the nostalgia. This is the perfect yes. time to hit that nostalgia. Everyone mm -hmm. of that, of yes. basically our age, 
just wants that. Wants like that this, is, and yeah. not and only that, to, and we've we've got the money to buy movie tickets. And we have the money, Speak for money yourself, to buy Jamie. movie tickets, but also it's coming at a time when those Jamie, characters are talk, also seeing a resurgence in the comics. <laughs> like those characters yeah. have seen a resurgence yes. of mm. great story material. By the time they develop another like past Venom 2 or whatever, yeah. they will have a quality of work that they can build towards an absolute carnage and do all these things. And yeah. that's, it's really a perfect storm for them. Okay. Well, that's because Donny Cates is one of those 90 kids Jim was talking exactly. about. Exactly. Like that's, but it's that's all it. come and around. It's all come around. So I think they're going to be all right. All right. Well, we were going to move on and we were going to do, uh, well, we'll end this with just kind of Kevin speaking of Spider-Man. Kevin Feige kind of opened up and said something about Spider-Man during the weekend. and got kind of lost in our shuffle here. But we'll read what he said, because it's a perfect Kevin Feige answer. I'm feeling, uh, what I'm feeling about Spider-Man is gratitude and joy. We got to make five films within the MCU with Spider-Man, two standalone films, and three with the Avengers. It was a dream that I never thought would happen. It was never meant to last forever. We knew there was a finite amount of time that we'd be able to do this, and we told the story we wanted to tell, and I'll always be thankful of that. Yeah, some of that's BS towards the end. Absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's no way that you yeah. did all that you, far from you home. You definitely set up Peter Parker to yeah. be the heir apparent to, to Iron, Iron Man, Man and yeah. revealed his identity in the yep. last scene So because uh, you knew the story was over. Yeah, so I don't know. But, uh, I mean, that's what do you where expect it is. Say, Nothing. Right? Yeah, what Nothing. do you expect them to say? Kevin Feige has been become the master of giving lengthy quotes without saying anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's very... I mean, very I'm good. not even knocking him. Like, he's very good at mm-hmm. it. He's a very... Why he's like a wily interview if you ever sit down because I feel like you but don't just, leave that quote with unsatisfied, sure. Like you go, Oh, yeah. that's a satisfying answer, even though he but told you jack exactly. Like, <laughs> that's what he's mastered. Yeah. Like, At he will give you a though, full something that sounds like a full sound bite, but then you go home, and you're like, Wait, it's like there's we, nothing. We should have all saw this coming when there wasn't the next Spider Man movie almost immediately announced after Far From Home. Well, we all assumed that that was just on Sony, you know, like they did the whole phase four slate. And they figure, well, Sony must be figuring something out with Spider-Man, which didn't seem unreasonable at the time. But yeah, like now in retrospect. Far From Home came a lot quicker after Homecoming. Did it? It, did, it came pretty quickly, yeah. 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 That, that is true. I don't remember, honestly. But, yeah, but all of that, I mean, also, it, it was because we weren't sure, like, if Marvel had figured out what Marvel wanted with Spider-Man, like, what was next. Yeah. Like, Far From Home had to fit into this timeline of, of getting into this Infinity Saga that we mm-hmm. knew was a closing window. So that was kind of more pressure to get that done. As soon as they said, like, it starts right after Endgame, it was like, okay, well, that's, yeah, that's got to get done. Like, you know, this was much more kind of open-aired, and so, like, I think that's why we didn't question it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you leave what enough room. What was the room. gap between Amazing 2 and Homecoming, or Civil War, I guess? Was it a, uh, three years? Two. Couple years. Yeah, it's, just Not even that long, I don't think. I want to say 2014 for yeah. Amazing Spider-Man, or maybe, yeah, yeah 2014, I think. Uh, yep. yeah. Amazing Spider-Man Amazing was, Spider-Man was 2014. 2014, yeah, 2016 yeah. was Civil War. Simple so, enough, because so he was only in a couple years scenes. before we get, two to three years before we potentially get another Spider-Man movie, unless he shows up in Venice. Isn't it about that all the time, like that two-year uh, No, I think between Homecoming and uh, Far, from Far Home? From Home, it was... Two years. Two years, two, right, but we, yeah. but we had him in between. But, I mean, that yeah. kind of is the... Feel like that's the cycle for yeah. like your big money temple movies. Like, so they got time to figure it out. Yeah, they got yeah. plenty yeah. of time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he did say they already pitched it, whatever it is. Dude, so. I think we will see Spider Man again as soon as 2020. 
and Venom. <laughs> so, I mean, that's what I think is going to happen. I think I, I will be, if this Marvel deal doesn't, because like, if they don't strike another deal, I will be so almost disappointed if they don't. Yeah, I mean, it also, it also makes so much sense because it buys them so much time if they do that. Like, if they have Tom Holland show up at the end of a story where Carnage is first introduced and kind of, you know, has this thing fall out with Venom, like, people are going to be so hyped about that then whatever you want to do next, you're going to buy yourself a year or two to be able to get your absolute Carnage movie or your Spider-Man or figure that all out or whatever the hell it's going to be. Like, you're going to have some breathing room. Just plant the seed. You'll yeah, buy, yeah, you buy a breathing room. What, what if they put Spider-Man in Venom the way they did Thanos in the first Avengers and then 10 years later he finally shows up in one of the movies? Hopefully I won't have to still talk about that. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, hopefully I'll be moved on to something else. All right, but uh, moving right along... We were going to talk about something about an anime trailer, but I think we're going to save that for our next episode and maybe do more of a kind of anime preview because it's just kind of out there to throw it out there. So we're going to keep it moving. All right. When we come back, we are going to deep dive into some comics talk. I tried to make that sound like wrestling. It doesn't work as well. but uh, Yeah, I guess it's fine. Yeah, comics talk. We are going to talk about Matt's going to take us through the comics of the week, and the three of us are going to get down on this House of X number three and see what's going on with this X-Men story. So be sure to stay tuned for that. All right, so House of X3. Let's start up with that. Um, Yeah, I mean, we talked about Powers of X3 uh, a couple times last week. We broke that down a little bit. And now we don't, because we're in the middle of this, like, weird reverse this thing does, like, where they alternated books, House of X, Powers of X, and then we got, like, Powers of X2, then we changed direction. And so it was Powers of X3, and now back to House of X. So and we'll get House of X again next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And thank, yeah, that's my first thing yeah. is, thank God. <laughs> because, you know, I don't want to be the downer on this, but we're reaching the midpoint, like, of this story. And I feel like things are kind of losing their steam a little bit from where we started. I was so, like, Up we were also the last page of this issue. No, I mean, even in the last page of this issue. Uh, this okay. is some classic comics stuff. Yeah, the last yeah. couple issues have been a lot more conventional superhero, yeah, superhero storytelling. storytelling. Very good version of that, Yeah, but still that. And yet, I'm beginning to see a lot of the Hickman tricks in this. And what I'm beginning to notice is this kind of sleight of hand that's taking place in this story where I'm reading an X-Men story that I've really enjoying, mm-hmm. that I've been more thrilled about for years, which is probably... The X-Men story that has the least X-Men in it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, actually just dealing with the team. And this issue kind of really brought that out in focus. Because there's scenes... So House of X3 takes us back to the... Presumably, I'm never sure about anything. It's like an Inception (laughs) reality in this thing. But uh, presumably, after Powers of X last week, you know, revealing the future was... The X-Men was Moira's ninth timeline. Or Moira's ninth lifetime. We're back to House of X3 in what is presumably her 10th lifetime mm-hmm. with the intel about where Nimrod will be first, where the AI development that humans are working on will make the jump to what will become Nimrod. And we get this whole chart reclassifying kind of sentinels and explaining them and the hierarchy of sentinels and Nimrod. Thank you for that, mm-hmm. Hickman, because I'm sorry, like that stuff has always been also a little confusing over the years. This is wonderful. Oh, yeah. I love, I love these things. It's these like, are great. Like, Mother Mold, it's in the name. 
Remember yes, we'll just make but basketballs. over the years, when you put Omega Sentinels and you start getting into all these other things and then Nimrod, you do need someone to come along and break it all down in a list. I think it's always been confusing. Never I, had that problem. I, well, <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, fine. It's just, it, it does, but it does help to no, see it visually. It helps to see it visually. Like, it really does. The chart snobs. The chart, <laughs> I will say this, just <laughs> somebody going well. through and charting the X-Men continuity is, is a story within itself, like, and just charting this all out. We like, should so. take a moment and say, here's your spoiler warning, folks. Yeah. Yeah, there's the here's your spoiler warning. Okay, so this issue basically takes us back to the 10th lifetime, the present day, and it's the X-Men going on this mission from Krakoa to basically the Orcus mother mold, uh, you know, construction site that's in orbit around the sun and trying to destroy this thing before it can lead to the development and birth of Nimrod. Because as one of the charts explains to us, the... Hickman's whole theory is that, you know, AI is inevitable. That's a mm -hmm. natural development in, in process of evolution, but it doesn't have to be something like Nimrod. That is not a fixed point. In, in, yeah, in that's an intent yeah. grafted onto it. Yeah, right? exactly. That is prejudicial intent uh, that takes, you know, merges with natural evolution of AI mm -hmm. to create this very flawed being who's, you know, basically, so, you know, crazy, uh, which is Nimrod who wants to <laughs> commit genocide. So... They're just trying to affect, and Moira through her lifetimes has figured this out, that she can't stop the development of machines, but she can prevent perhaps the, the development of Nimrod. So the X-Men go on this mission to Orcus base to take on Orcus and stop this thing. And Orcus proves to be more wily than, you know, we probably give them credit for because they see, you know, they, they have sensors, they know the X-Men are coming, and it's this kind of chess game. It's a very Hickman-type conflict where it's this chess game where people aren't attacked. There's actually nobody like actual direct conflict in this whole thing. The battle's over before to, it gets yeah. to that. Because yeah. <laughs> they're all trying to outmaneuver each other. Like Orcus figures out that the X-Men have figured out everything about their super secret plan and have this like perfect plan to infiltrate and take it out. So uh, one of the Orcus agents, Eremis, I think his name is, is Erasmus. I Erasmus. Think? Yeah, yeah. I just kind of glanced at all these names as we're speed reading through yeah. this. Um, yeah, he just like, hey, we got to change up the program, and here's your final spoiler warning, folks. And so what he does is he rigs it and he blows the part of the base that he's in, um, presumably taking the X Men Shi'ar cruiser with him. Yeah, uh, and blowing them all to smithereens. And that's the final panel. It looks yeah. like this X Men team. Gets blown to smithereens. Now, this leads us to an interesting point because, I mean, like I said, Jamie and I both said this is a very comic booky thing to do. The final panel, does everybody die? Oh, uh, yeah, and yeah. nobody mm -hmm. dies. And nobody <laughs> dies. But this <laughs> is Hickman, and here's where I think the next issue could be really revelatory because yeah. I was went back. Now I go back every time I read these, and I reread right from the beginning again, and it's driving me a little crazy because I'm rereading <laughs> the same thing over and over again. You'll be fluent in Krakoan before yeah. you die. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We didn't even break down that. We get the whole <laughs> Krakoan language, yeah. which changes everything because now you have to go back and translate mm -hmm. all these pages of this crazy symbols in these books that you just it's thought awesome, were cool symbols, I love that. but they're actually language and messages, yeah. so now we've got to go do that. But I'm wondering if this X-Men team doesn't really die, and now we begin to get into this whole, which is still the craziest first image of this whole mm -hmm. story is Professor Xavier walking through this kind of like bio garden and people hatching from the pods and him saying, to me, my X-Men. Yeah. So I think in the next issue, we could finally maybe figure out who this Xavier is, what the hell's happening on Krakoa, and if they aren't just making more X-Men out of pod people. Yeah. Because I think that would be a cool kind of rug pull 
would be, no, those people all did blow up on that shuttle. Whoops. Didn't mm-hmm. see that one coming. It's cool because in the, Moira, in the true yeah. Moira, you know, philosophy of things, we've got, here's another X-Men team. And it would be almost cool if they did it like, I'm trying to think of a movie that that does this, and, and there are uh, plenty. It'd be of like um, uh, Hank and Dean from the Venture Brothers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, I'm trying to think of a movie uh, where they uh, imagining like, Doctor Venture is Professor X now, and that's just kind of amazing. <laughs> like, now that I now that I've actually said that out loud, that's that's all I see. <laughs> yeah. It's just it, like Professor Xavier's got a room full of X Men ready to go, just vials and tubes and tubes of Cyclopses and Wolverine. Well, that's what just, I'm saying, and I'm trying to think of how like Hickman could do a cool story because there's plenty of sci-fi movies that do this where you see somebody who doesn't know that they've been yeah. mm-hmm. replicated or like mm-hmm. Westworld style. Like you don't know yeah. you've been replicated, but you've died yeah. all of these times. And that would be a cool echo for this Spl- story. Explains so many things about the X-Men. <laughs> yeah. And but just, they do set that up in here with the with pretty much making yeah. this feel like a suicide mission. They're not yeah. able to take mm-hmm. fauna well, with them. Especially they with the line that back. Xavier says, yes. right? Like, like no one's ever going to forget you. Yeah. 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 You know, type it, thing. Goes, it wouldn't make sense. I'm not worried. You die. I got another one. <laughs> I will. There are two ways I think this go. Either Nightcrawler's on that ship, so either everybody grabs onto him and they teleport out. Yeah, uh, that's the obvious. That's the that's the old school X Men comic book thing. Yeah, or we get what you're talking about, where we finally get some revelations, and I think we might get that because I don't care. Some people think um, I'm crazy for thinking this, but like. Xavier comes off as like a mustache twirling bad guy. He in is. Yeah. We've all said like that. he's We've clearly that manipulating psych. Even if that's the real Cyclops and not some pod person, impossible Cyclops. Yeah. He like, he's playing with his mind. Yeah. Even if he's not psychically controlling him, he is manipulating him emotionally. I can't. And it's real weird. And I really want an Xavier's explanation been for what's a real going on. Weird character throughout this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We only see him in that early one. And then every other time we see him, it is very, yeah. Weird. We don't see his face. We mm-hmm. he's in this helmet, like, and everything he does is just kind of weirdly offbeat in a way mm-hmm. Charles yeah. Xavier we've never seen. Can, can you get the can, way that? Can you run back how Cyclops came back? Oh God! Do you remember? <laughs> um, I, I might be getting some of the details wrong. It was something they revealed that he saved somebody back in like the sixties, mm-hmm. who would go on to build some technology that would let him trap a shard of the Phoenix force. And so young Cyclops came back in time, found that guy, got him to build the thing. And then when Jean Grey came back and resurrected Cyclops for like a minute before sending him back to death, they captured the Phoenix power she used then. Well, Cable did it. Cable did it and used that Phoenix power to resurrect Cyclops from his grave. And then he just hit out in Cable's bunker uh, until X-Men disassembled happened and Cable did this weird like Joker-esque right. okay. you can save the X-Men or you can save the guy that saved you thing. Because that's why Young really Cable weird. goes back to that particular point in time. Yeah. He talks to him when he's older and says, yeah. you're... D- despite killing his older self because his yeah. older self was being selfish, he came back to that point in time and did something extremely selfish yeah, exactly. by resurrecting Cyclops. Which I he do, even says it, I just yeah, wanted my dad. I was going to say, I, think, I do like that he acknowledges it yeah. in the book. of like Because yeah, he is know, like a teenager. Up. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I miss my dad. Mm-hmm. I wanted my dad back. And you went out in a very I, punk I way. I totally remember if there was a potential hole in there. Yeah. It, it could have just been pod cyclops. Yeah. It, it, it'd be really weird if they went through that many hoops to explain how cyclops came back and then just decided, but pod people. <laughs> uh, but like I said, there are so many other deaths that are barely, if explained at all in X-Men history, that That's pod true. people could explain that it still could be Can we just say, like I mean, a viable thing. Hickman might have looked at 
those things to try and make sure he didn't trip over any. I don't think that for a minute. But honestly, (laughs) but honest, well, my point is that I don't think he was thinking that hard about that. I don't think any of that stuff that happened right there is going to factor into this. Yeah, because he wanted a clean break. Yeah, and I think to Kofi's point about how this book doesn't really is the least X-Men thing. Mm -hmm. I think that might be part of why they did it as these dual miniseries instead of just starting off with the relaunch of X-Men number one. Yeah. Because they wanted this to be like, we're going to do like a reset button for three months and it's going to be a really cool reset button, but this isn't, Quote unquote, the X Men yet. They want so, you to go bear with it. Says House of X. Did they don't we want know that Krakoa was on the moon? I said the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Krakoa, it, the moon is one of the places where they planted the Krakoa seed. Yeah, right. One of For like five, yeah. I think, was on the blue area of the moon. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one and of the he, things Jamie said they just went from Kakoa Central one yeah, thing right, and then yeah. launched from there. One of the things I really like about this book is actually this particular issue is that they, for the first time in a while, have made the X-Men feel like a threat. Uh, they actually mm-hmm. make them feel like the powerful team that they're supposed yeah. to feel like, right? Like, And they're not talking. It's it's Orcus it's just their talking about them, right? And they're like, oh, well, oh, they, I, they figured that out. And they went here and they're like, oh, well, how did they do that? Well, and they've already got all their, like, the way they describe them is mm-hmm. with reverence. And it's something they're you godly, miss. like yeah. Magneto said in the first issue. Yeah. Except Magneto and Xavier even more so come off like, you know, the devil and the angel. Yeah, very much. Cyclops, which I do love that the first line Cyclops have is, is it's done, which after the one scene he's been in in this book was yeah. just like, does it need doing? Well, I'll do it. Well, it's done. <laughs> it's done, it's right? It's so perfect uh, Cyclops. And Emma Frost's scene oh, that in scene the courtroom. Oh, yeah. Great. Brilliant. Like, I was, I mean. Yeah, there's so many, like, there's always, House of X has these weird side scenes always. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. They just go into, compl- but like, this, like that's going all... somewhere. I feel like that's going yeah. somewhere. We just don't know Saber where. Sabretooth is like, just kind of balancing around and all this and like but it's just like it goes into like full comic marvel comic book territory yeah yeah for a second and then we're like back in this weird but this is why like this issue and the other house of x issues these are why that i still like even when we read the uh at the first powers of 10 i was still like house of x is still my favorite of this series and you get more information in powers of 10 and you can't enjoy i feel like House of X, you're enjoying it more now because of all the stuff they've set up in Powers well, of X. It's kind of like Memento. But but mm. House of X is a to me is a more interesting story. It's well, just it more sure. interesting yeah. character moments. There's more interesting dialogue between the between the teams and, and the way they're setting things up. I think it's just way more interesting. I look forward to House pa- Powers of X is way more, more than Powers. Powers is more plot driven. Yeah. Well, yeah. House of X is a little I think more Powers character. is kind of like the overarching yeah. steering mechanism. And it's like Memento. If you've ever watched Memento, it's like you think you're watching this story that's very up close and personal, mm-hmm. but then you start having these flashbacks, which are, you know, and flash forward, you need these flashbacks to kind of fill in the gaps and slowly but surely change the main story you're watching till you realize at the end, like, holy crap, mm-hmm. like yeah. I'm watching this yeah. much more darker, horrible story. Yeah. Um, I used to teach this in a class. So, anyway, so, and I think that's what's happening here is like, you read House of X, and it's very in the present, mm-hmm. kind of straightforward. But as you read more and more of Powers of Ten, like it's just changing your perception of yep. everything that's yeah. happening in House of X. Until like we're gonna probably just come around to the end and be like, you know, just mind blown about what yeah. we actually saw. Yeah, and, like, and to I'm Matt's point, for that unmasked moment, man. <laughs> to Matt's point about the X-Men feeling powerful, it feels like part of that, I think, is for like 20 years, it feels like every X-Men story has been about mutants about to go extinct, yeah. be it House of M or the Inhumans or whatever. Extermination. It, it feels like, you know, this is the first time they've done something where the X-Men are really in control 
uh, since, you know, Morrison set them up as yeah. a subculture taking over the world. So that feels, you know, 20 years on, that feels like a huge change of pace. So yeah. that, that's very cool to see. Agreed. But all right. So we're going to find out next week. It's going to all be about like what happens <laughs> in that scrubs. shuttle. Which way do they go? Yeah. <laughs> do they stop Orcus and they're already on the base and they could be on the base and still die anyway and still be pod people that could be still yeah. revealed. So Schrodinger's X-Men. We're putting down a prediction <laughs> that we're going to find out pod people X-Men and something about Xavier next week uh, or in House of X. And so we're going to be looking forward to that. Uh, you can find all our spin-outs and breakdowns and all that stuff on comicbook.com, so be sure to check those out. Now, to take us home, Matty Matt is going to take us through the rest of the comics of the week, so don't spend all your money on this one. Because there were other books, right? Even yeah. though it's like, man, other how, stuff how worth is reading. so good. And uh, some of them are like eight bucks. So. Yeah, I forgot. Uh, well, we'll start with, okay, we'll start with that one. That's a perfect tee-off. <laughs> Thank you, Jamie. Uh, so Marvel 1000 uh, is a giant Marvel one Marvel 1000. Of, uh, is it 90 pages? I think it's... 80 pages. It's ridiculous. So, like, and essentially, like, each page is from a different creative team and it's got like different characters all throughout. Some are like, like there's a whole thing about Iron Man. It's just showing all the different Mm -hmm. helmets. Like, some aren't really stories, they're just weird little asides. And then some are like Hickman writes a apocalypse story in here that is one page. And on it, we were trying to figure out whether it takes place now or in yeah. the past and if it ties to house of x or anything because it references age of apocalypse as a because each one is kind of like oh remember this great thing from marvel's history here's something kind of sort of like each it. page ties into a different year and references some event from that year and so there are some really cool things right and towards the end there's some like interesting reveals so there will be a couple of things that it feels like that come out of this story thread wise but overall it's just like this is not necessary reading at all. But if you're a big Marvel fan, though, yeah. you're going to find some things to enjoy, and it's it's cool. But it's fanfare. Just, yeah, it's, it really is fanfare. Mm-hmm. But it is expensive. So, <laughs> so if you want to buy <laughs> that... It's like for the collection, if this, you're a long-time yeah, Marvel yeah. fan. It's, it's a very cool nice covers. product. Yes. You could take but. the next year to leaf through each of one of these pages. But, like, but yeah. if you're looking for, like, to me, I kind of, on the way this was being built up, I almost looked at this like Marvel Legacy, and this mm. is not that at all. Like, no. this is not something that sets the story trend for the next two years. This is really just a cool you know it encapsulated thing yeah. yeah so uh also from marvel absolute carnage number two uh i don't know if anyone else in here read it i can't get enough of this i cannot believe i'm <laughs> saying this about like a carnage but <laughs> i'm so on board just let this. it in oh my god it's so good like there's so much classic venom and spidey stuff in this book because really yes it's about carnage but it's, this issue especially it's just spider-man venom awesomeness it's them battling stuff and then having this fun back and forth and then you throw the maker in there and he's got some deal with with eddie right that he's protecting his son and there's some great like essentially imagine if the maker was babysitting moments because like eddie's (laughs) on the phone with him and like hey what was that because there's this big explosion and in the background he's like what was that is dylan okay and then they show the maker and he's with his arms stretching way back putting out some fire from some giant machine explosion oh it's good it's good i'm I'm protecting he's upstairs watching tv i told you i would protect him right but it's the maker it's coming from this really sinister dude there's so much fun stuff in there but then just the carnage stuff is really getting plus this book is gorgeous so i am uh also another thing the tie-ins have been remarkably good for the most part like they've been uh, they continue to surprise me and they add little wrinkles and they're bringing these symbiotes back in fun different ways so 
I am floored. I did not expect I, to like the series. I just love that another one of Jonathan Hickman's bad helmet dads is still running around. <laughs> so. Maker. Uh, also, for uh, the Captain Marvel fans, there is a Marvel team-up book with Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel, so you should go check that out if you remotely Especially now. like those characters. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. This is your year, up. Matt. This is your uh, year. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to the DC side of things, uh, Batman Beyond uh, number 35 actually is kind of cool, because if you're a big fan of that animated series, I know Jamie is, mm-hmm. uh, and they actually introduced a character that they have not yet introduced in that universe. Uh, it's pretty cool, and since we're doing spoiler stuff, they actually introduced Wally West's Flash. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like the original guy, right? So old Bruce calls, and, and evidently they had some falling out, which they tease kind of, and everyone's kind of treating him with like reverence. He's like, oh my God, is that the Flash? And it's cool. It's it's set up really interesting, and I, and I hope to see more of that history delved into uh, as we go on. So that's Batman Beyond. Uh, Batman Curse of the White Knight. Uh, I know I tend to be this book's champion. Uh, this is Sean Murphy's kind of essentially the original one was if Joker was, if Napier, Jack Napier took back control instead of the Joker. Now this one is kind of flipped because you have all the good things that Napier did in the first series, but Joker has taken back control. So now the guy who saved Gotham essentially is now back to being crazy and wants to undo everything he did because he's pissed that people like Napier more than they like him, right? So it's this weird like meta personality thing. Uh, Harley Quinn is now pregnant. So now there's a baby in the middle of it. And then all of a sudden you also have like Amanda Waller building up this task force. It's a lot of cool stuff. Uh, I really dig this so far. It's gorgeous. This book is awesome. Uh, Also, Batman Superman number one. Uh, This one is interesting because I didn't realize the Batman who laughs would be such a big uh, force in this book. I didn't really... I must you didn't have read the pitch, did you? No, I didn't at all, actually. <laughs> uh, I came into this pretty like, oh, Dave Marquez draws yeah. this. Great. <laughs> Good <laughs> that's, enough. That's what got me in, uh, if I'm being 100% Sold. honest. Uh, but yeah, Batman Who Laughs, uh, there's some really interesting stuff. So essentially, up until... there's a, The last three pages are great. The last three pages are... Uh, like they see one of the Robins because Batman who laughs has those creepy Robin guys and he's like clawing at Batman and they're like, you know, hey, we'll we'll get you out of here or whatever. And like the kid keeps talking and, and slowly realize like who the kid is. And he's like, don't you recognize me? And it turns out that kid is Billy Batson. And like Batman Who Laughs has corrupted him. So then he does his full Shazam. So now like there's a corrupted Shazam against Superman and Batman. It's really interesting. It was a really cool last couple. Yeah, he's supposed to be one of like six. Yeah. Corrupted heroes. It was a cool Uh, concept. It was neat. Like it's really cool. Uh, Gorgeous Dave Marquez pencils. mm -hmm. The coloring's a little weird. Don't love the coloring. But coloring's man style DC. Those Superman panels, anytime Superman's on screen, it's like, dude, give this guy a Superman book at some point. Uh, And then we also have some stuff going on in the Boom universe. Buffy. I know you got to read Buffy mm-hmm. Chosen Ones. It's another $8 book. Another $8 book. It's a one shot, which sets <laughs> up setting up their big crossover event. Did you like it? Yeah, it was pretty good. It's, yeah. it's an anthology that gives you a look at three previous Slayers. And one of the stories dives into kind of the origin of the Hellmouth in Sunnydale, which is going to be the at the center of the big Angel Buffy crossover coming up. And uh, that that one's got kind of art that matches the main book. Okay. Then the other two have some really interesting different art that you don't see on the main book. So all together, it's a, it's a very, very cool package. Okay. Uh, and then Angel, which is also kind of part of this whole thing, uh, introduces Charles Gunn, this issue, and I'm very excited. I, I still heart Angel 
like as a series <laughs> overall, just more. I've always liked it more. So uh, very cool. And then last but not least, I had to mention it. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, number 42. You knew you weren't going to get out of here. Uh, for the fans of the Omega Rangers, we get even more of them today. Uh, there's also a really cool bounty hunter that was introduced uh, for the Doggy Kruger fans, SPD. Same same like race. Oh. And so uh, Dane is his name. And he's been essentially like dead shotting the rangers like he's been watching surveilling doing all this stuff so now they set up the fight like towards the end of this and there's a great panel where he's like this by the way this is not going to be a, a fair fight like he he takes out all their weapons in like a moment and they're like what what is this and he's like yeah this is not going to go well for you and then it ends it's a great spot to end uh so yeah very interesting so that's comics all right, now that you guys have the breakdown on what comics are coming out there this week, that'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. If you are just getting involved with the show, we put up new episodes every Wednesday and every Friday on comicbook.com, where you can subscribe to our RSS feed for regular updates about new episodes, or you can subscribe on your favorite listening platform. We are on iTunes, iHeartRadio, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Google Playlist, or you can tell any Amazon Alexa device to play Comic Book Nation podcast, and it should fire up the latest episode for you. If you want to continue the discussion about anything we were talking about on the show, you can always find us at the hashtag Comic Book Nation, or you can find me on Twitter at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. And find me at Jamie Lovett. And if you like the show, go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review. Periodically, we will read a whole batch of reviews on the show and uh, make some work for producer Jim Viscardi because each time we read one of your reviews on the show, we will get into shipping you guys a Comic Book Nation t-shirt. Bear with us. We are still working through our last batch. Should Shipping. be some arriving this week, though. And it should be time, then, for another set of yeah, soon reviews. As people, <laughs> soon as the current people who are waiting for their shirts and messaging me about that stop messaging me about that, we will read some more and get some more out to you. Um, but they're coming. We have, trust me, we have plenty of reserves we're getting rid of here, so... We will get them out to you. We just got to go through the whole shipping department nightmare, but uh, they're coming. So that'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. Thank you guys for listening in. We hope to see you next time, and we're out of here. Deuces.